I'm Richard. And I'm Will. And together we're... The, the Irreverent, Irreverent Nerds! Nerds. Bum, bum, bum. Nerds. Nerds. We are here today. <laughs> we are here today to talk about Mr. Kevin Conroy. AKA I am the knight. I am vengeance. I am Batman. Yes. So we are we are doing our tribute episode to Kevin Conroy. Uh, as I imagine many of you within the nerd community, if not all of you already know, he passed away recently at the age of 66 uh, due to cancer. Uh, he had not made that public uh, until the news of his passing, uh, but it was due to cancer, which is very sad. Very sad. And uh, we extend our condolences to uh, his husband and to his other, any other family members or close friends that he leaves behind. And uh, yeah, just a little bit that we've gotten to know of, of Kevin Conroy, the man. Obviously, both Will and I have known him as Batman <laughs> for many, many years and have enjoyed many his. Years his many performances as Batman in the DC animated universe. But over the last couple of weeks since his passing, we have gotten to know him better as Kevin Conroy, the man. Uh, so we're going to talk a good bit about that as well as his career outside of Batman tonight. And Mr. Boyer is going to start us off. He's going to talk about Kevin's early life and his career up until 1992 when he was cast as Batman on Batman the Animated Series, but he did have a career over a decade uh, before that, a lot of live action appearances during that time. So, uh, Mr. Boyer, why'd you start us off, sir? Mr. Richard? Um, wait, that's your... I should have said Mr. Best. Anyway, <laughs> so, uh, as I will, a.k.a. cartoonist will, anyway, so... Um, yeah, we've both been trying to do research on Kevin Conroy. I was really interested in, in who he was as a person, as a human being, because he's obviously more than Batman. So I just, you know, wanted to honor, you know, I just wondered who is this man? You know, I wanted to honor him, not just his performance as Batman. So um, I've been very busy and haven't been able to do too much research, but we have his Wikipedia page. And Richard, uh, chime in at any time if there's something that you've read or notes you've taken that might help illuminate some of this. But uh, Conroy was born on November 30th, 1955 in Westbury, New York, into an Irish Catholic family. Um. He moved to Westport, Connecticut when he was about 11 years old, and he had three older siblings. Uh, one of the interviews that Richard and I actually watched, uh, uh, he explained that he was much younger, actually, than his siblings. Um, 
Yeah, and by the way, yeah, we want we want to put a, a big plug for that episode because if if you want to get to know oh, Kevin, yeah. particularly, uh, this is a recent interview, just two years ago, yeah. but uh, Michael Rosenbaum, uh, who acted along with Kevin in the Justice League series and uh, I believe some of the movies as well, uh, interviewed him on his podcast Inside of You, <laughs> and um, he has a live action or live action a video of that on his youtube channel so check that out um inside of you so it's titled batman kevin conroy talks anxiety traumatic childhood and robin williams so check that out big plug for that and and just for the podcast in general i i had already listened to a number of episodes of the inside of you podcast and thoroughly enjoy it michael rosenbaum is is just very genuine and uh just enjoyable host and uh I believe he's interviewed some of his other Justice League castmates as well, but we particularly recommend the interview with Kevin. So, and uh, yeah, I want to talk about that. Um, it says here on Wikipedia he had a tumultuous environment in his home. Um, now, Wikipedia just you know briefly gives us the facts. Conroy's father was an alcoholic. Uh, once attempted suicide while Connolly was in high school, which is very sad. Um, that's something I, not the suicide part, but that's, well, maybe. I, anyway, that's something I can relate to. Uh, on the uh, the interview on the podcast, uh, uh, Conroy actually talks about his anxiety disorder that he got from his, his, uh, a dysfunctional family um his his father was an angry drunk and uh, i also come from an upbringing like that not to say anything you know uh things are going a lot better now uh but but yeah i can relate to that you know so much empathy there um yeah, I think he added a little detail. I believe um, Kevin mentioned that, like after the attempted suicide, and he mentioned that there was a lot of blood and that he was the family member. And this is him as a high schooler. He had to go, it must have been really bad. He had to go and identify that it was his father. And, and I think he may have had to bring him home. Oh. Uh, but yeah, I just he mentioned several times there was a lot of blood. I don't know if it was a slit wrist situation. He didn't get into details, but just that that added to the the traumatic experience. Um, and this was, I think, he was a either maybe a junior in high school, something like that, maybe a senior at most. But yeah, that's 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 a lot to go through. Like you said, that's a um, lot. And. Uh... You know, I just realized, Richard, I didn't watch the entire interview. I watched a snippet of it uh, on YouTube. Yeah, I believe they did have some clips that they yeah. pulled out of it. Um, yeah, so, the entire, the entire yeah. thing is about an hour and 20 minutes long. Oh, no, I definitely didn't see the entire thing then. Yeah, it was really good. Really good conversation. Yeah. Uh, Kevin... I mean, Kevin opens up a lot and shares a lot. And this is, like I said, just two years ago. Um, so it's, it's very recent, you know, and it covers a lot of his career and his, and his personal life. 
I need to go back and watch that later after our recording tonight. But um, yeah, I missed a lot. I missed a lot. Well, why don't uh, why don't you share some of this about his uh his early career, like how he got yeah. into acting, and then just some of his early work up until he got into Batman. Well, um, he moved in with a friend to finish high school, and after that, um, he was about seventeen years old. In checking my notes here, in a uh, nineteen seventy three, he moved with a full scholarship to New York to attend Juilliard School's Drama Division under actor John Houseman, um, where he roomed with Robin Williams, as we mentioned earlier. Um, he was also in the same group as Kelsey Grammer and would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that. Yeah, and speaking of Kelsey Grammer, uh, as part of our research for this episode, Will and I... Yeah went back and uh, watched an episode of Cheers in which uh, Kevin guest starred. I imagine he might have gotten that role in part because of his relationship with grammar. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. That's true. Um, but yeah, he played, uh, he played a, I think he's uh, was supposed to be a member of the Boston Red Sox. And uh, yeah, he comes in and kind of sweeps one of the, the women there at the bar off her feet, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Danny DeVito's wife. I can't remember for the life of me what her name is right now. I know I cannot re- recall off the top of my head either, but um, yeah, I was like watching him there. Is like, and he was probably around our age at that time, uh, maybe a little younger. And it's like, it's like, wow, it's a good looking dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, was in good shape too. Very, very buff at that point in his life. Uh, we actually watched two episodes because the internet lied to us. So I think, <laughs> uh, said he was in at least two. We couldn't find him in that one, could we? Yeah, no. Yeah, he was credited with an appearance in one episode, and unless he was in the background, we didn't see him at all. Uh, but the the next episode, he, he figured more prominently. So, uh, yeah, and it, and there's also um, if you go to his website, um, Kevin Conroy's website. Uh, it links to a, a real, uh, I found it initially on YouTube, but there's a real uh, of his performances and majority of them, like his live action performances, uh, majority of which occurred in the eighties. Um, he did say like a lot of his, his live action roles uh, started drying up in the nineties. And I think after he had, a, he had a stint on this show called the office uh, that was no, not that office. <laughs> but believe it or not, there was a, a British TV show called The Office before the one with Ricky Gervais called The Office, which came before the American version of The Office. Lasted uh, in whole six episodes. Yeah. So the, the very first one, uh, Kevin Conroy uh, played an American, obviously, which which he is. Um, but he he played an American journalist, I think, in that in that series. But that was one of his his last significant live action roles and uh i believe he did intimate and, and this is something i think that you wanted to talk some about well um given that kevin conroy is, is a gay man right uh that there were sadly some roles that he lost um you know when it was discovered you know and he did not come out publicly until very recently about that fact but from time to time people like producers or whatnot would you know found out about that 
and he lost some roles over the years. Um, I'm not sure if that's the reason why. I don't know if you found any more in your research. I don't know if that's the reason why his live action dried up, but uh, it may have had some effect, unfortunately. I, you know, I don't know, but I find that very sad uh, that he would have been discriminated towards. And I'm glad that um, that he that that's not what happened for his voice acting career. Yeah, he's very prolific voice acting career, um, which I'm I'm going to talk about that here in a minute, uh, kind of how that got started. Um, before I do that, do you want to talk a little bit more about some of his uh, live action work back from the eighties? Yeah. Um... After he graduated in 1978, he did some touring. Uh, does it count live action? Does it count his the his uh, career as um, in theater? Yeah, I would I would include okay. that. Like yeah, so, yeah, theater, TV, movies. So he toured with John Houseman's The Acting Company, and in 1979 he toured with Ira Levin's Death Trap. And he moved to California in 1980 and landed a role for the TV series Another World and became associated with well I think that's TV yeah but, that's a I believe that's yeah. a soap opera if I'm not mistaken cool and well he will became associated with the Old Globe Theater at the Old Globe Theater he performed in Hamlet and Midsummer Night's Dream productions um he also performed in theater pieces such as Ed Albee's Lolita and Eastern Standard and that brings us full circle um, with what you were saying earlier. Uh, you know, he lived during the AIDS crisis. Uh, a lot of people, maybe it seems, it sounds like friends of his uh, were, well, they would have had to have been. He was going to funerals. He knew these people. And that must have been really, really tough. You know, I can't imagine uh, how tough that would have been on him. Yeah, that that that'd be scary too, because like, it um, I mean, I don't know how active he was. I mean, obviously that's none of my business, but you know, not everyone who who's gay is necessarily sexually active. Just like not everyone who's straight right. is sexually active at any given point. Um, but if you if he was at all during that period, I, I can imagine that that there's that that fear of like contracting it yourself and you're, you're seeing your friends die around you and obviously at that point they had and even today they did not straight up found a, a cure i mean they're able to treat it a lot better than than they could back in the 80s but yeah i, I can only imagine how how frightening that was yeah definitely and you know he felt according to wikipedia here he felt so obligated because of all the funerals he was going to, seeing these people he knew passing away, he felt obligated to play a character secretly battling with AIDS on Eastern Standard. And, you know, that's, uh, they got a lot of humanity there to it, you know, uh, raising awareness for the disease. And just, well, you know what I mean, right? Yeah, and I'll actually, um, I'm going to, I think I may end up using, I'm looking here at his website and looking at some of the yeah. photos and they have a photo from his uh, performance in Eastern Standard and uh, is with uh, a couple of other people I recognize, uh, Dylan Baker, Patricia Clarkson, 
and um there's an actor here that was uh in some marvel movies later he actually played uh in uh the early spider-man trilogy but uh i mean that's that's not that important obviously but i, I just i just recognized a couple of the actors that he was in that play with oh and, that's that's neat Oh, uh, what are the names of the actors? Uh, like I said, it was uh, let's see here. Let me find the photo again. So Patricia Clarkson, who's, who's still active, um, seen her in several things recently. Dylan Baker and Peter Frechette, and uh, I believe Dylan Baker is the one who um, plays Doctor Connors in. I believe that's oh, his name, Doctor Connors okay. in the uh, the first. Uh, well, I say technically, but yeah, all three of the the uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man films. I was waiting for him to become Lizard the entire time. <laughs> yeah, that never did happen. To, nope. Maybe that was gonna would have been the fourth movie, but but that's an aside. But yeah, like you said, the the more meaningful thing, like he he portrayed someone who was struggling with AIDS. And, yes. Uh, and this is prior to now. Obviously, for him, it was much more personal. Very personal. I, I know. Um, I know. I think we talked about this the other day. I know Tom Hanks portrayed a gay man who was dying of AIDS in the Philadelphia story in the early nineties. Uh, but Tom Hanks himself, you know, is, is straight. So yeah. I, now he may have had some friends that, that went through that, but not quite as personal as if you, know, you face those fears yourself. Um, so yeah, that's, I feel like that, that probably took a lot of courage um, to be willing to do that. Right, right. So, um, let's see my notes. Okay, so Conroy returned to television in the 1985 TV movie Covenant and landed a role on Search for Tomorrow, another uh, soap opera. Uh, oh, he played gay lawyer Bart Fallmount on Dynasty from 85 to 86. So that sounds like, uh, even though it was just one year, it sounds like it was a lot better than that one episode of Tears. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> looks like a, either he was, looks like there was uh, eight episodes total that he was on cool. in that show. And... So uh, he was also series regular on o O'Hara in 87. And the company commander on tour of duty from eighty seven to eighty eight, before starring in a series of television movies. And if I can jump in a little bit on on the tour of duty, yeah, series. Um, he talked about that. Um, spent some time talking about that in the uh, inside of you interview with with Michael Rosenbaum. He said that that series, at the time, was the the very first uh, television series to display the Vietnam War. Uh, there have been, there. I think there have been some movies prior to that, but there had not been a television series um, based on the Vietnam War. And he said that that show resonated with a lot of Vietnam veterans, and uh, he shared a, a personal experience. He had he had a chance to meet some of them, and I think he went around um, and visited a lot of um, of the veterans and spent time with them while he was on that show, and uh, had several just very, very powerful, very meaningful experiences. One guy in particular, 
because obviously you, you go into combat, especially something as messy as Vietnam, you have a lot of PTSD. I mean, to this day that yeah. I still see homeless guys out on the street who are Vietnam veterans and um, they can't function in normal society because, you know, PTSD can be just very severe. Yeah. And you add to it other problems like, you know, exposure to agent orange and things like that. And it's just, a, it's a mess. And, but one of the, um, I can't imagine one of the places he, he went to where he spent some time with the vets. Like there was a guy that they had been trying to reach, um, I think for years. And, uh, I guess the guy had, had never visited and he heard that Kevin Conroy was going to be there from the show. And he finally showed up this, this vet that had just, been resisting all attempts at, at help and he, he came and he he opened up and shared and just dude just like broke down weeping and like everyone that came around him as kevin described it everyone came around him and just like came a just a big group hug and this man it was like a breakthrough for this man and uh just kevin reflected on just how like you don't he didn't necessarily expect that as an actor always that that your work would have that kind of effect on people but that was very meaningful to him you know obviously it stuck with him you know more than 30 years later still thinking about it that that your work can have that can resonate that deeply with people and uh, i was reading some <clears throat> in his interview which i'll talk more about but his uh, work yeah. with batman has resonated in um obviously different ways you know it's not on the same level as someone who's went through vietnam but it still meant a lot to a lot of people, you and I included. Oh. So, but anyway, I'll let, I just wanted to put that in there because I know that that series in particular, I think, was meaningful to him in the '80s and to a lot of to a lot of Vietnam vets as well. And um, if I get a chance to talk to one, I'll have to ask, like, "Hey, do you remember this series? You remember hearing about this?" And because um, I was unaware of it until until I heard that Kevin was in it, I was like, "It's like that. That's cool. That's cool." Well, I think I'm done, except for Cheers, Search for Tomorrow, Matlock, and Murphy Brown. I think I'm done talking about its early life and career. Uh, do you want to switch over to talking about his voice acting career now? Yeah, yeah, I can do that. Um, so let's see. According to just both some interviews as well as uh, the bio on his website, um, he was he had never done any voiceover work uh to my knowledge uh it, it certainly not done any voice acting work um prior to auditioning for batman the animated series and he didn't know very much about batman uh he had not grown up reading comic books i uh, came from a very strict irish catholic family or at least they, they just didn't have comic books around like they didn't didn't have that in the home and uh so he didn't grow up with that and i think the little bit he knew about batman he knew from the 1960s tv show you know with right. adam adam west <laughs> that was about about the extent and I'm, I'm sure i'm sure he was aware of like the tim burton films um i don't know that he had seen them prior to auditioning for this but i'm sure he oh. was aware of them but his main exposure it sounds like was the 1960s so he was thinking that going in at least to see his expressed it he was thinking it was going to be something similar to that and he mentioned that in in the um audition and paul dini and 
you know, he was like, no, 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 that's not what we're going to do. <laughs> it's much different, <laughs> much different. So they, they then kind of gave him a, which at this point, you know, it's pretty cool that they, obviously it's indicative of how many people they had seen. According to Andrea Romero, they had already interviewed 500 Whoa. actors by this point and, and could not find the right one. So they were, they were a little more open to, to helping someone through an audition. And I think he had been referred to, he had been recommended to them. Um, I believe it was from someone who knew Andrea uh, connection that she had. And um, he's like, Hey, I, I know this New York actor. He's like, he might be a good fit for, for this. Why don't you give him a shot? So they got connected to his agent and he's like, you know, he came in and auditioned and so, but they had to give him a kind of a crash course in the character of Batman and just even down to like some of the psychological issues that he wrestles through. And apparently like, just based on that, like Kevin Conroy kind of intuitively realized that, you know, it kind of hit him. And maybe this was a benefit of him being a bit of an outsider to the character. He's like, like, wait, this guy is a billionaire. He's like well-known at least all around the city, if not the country. And then he dresses up in a suit and goes and fights crime at night and no one recognizes him. He's like, so to him, he's like, it would make sense for the voice to be different between the two characters. So I think up to this point, no one had done that before. Um, like if you watch the uh, Michael Keaton, he, he sounds basically that he, he acts a little different, but his voice sounds, you know, very similar. There's a little, he does a little bit of a, of a change, but nothing as, as significant as, as Kevin, but pretty much on the spot in the audition, Kevin decided to change the the voice of Batman. He decided to to make that different. And uh and obviously that that got him that's got him the part. You know, when they they heard his Bruce Wayne versus his Batman. And obviously in particular when they heard his Batman, they're like, yes, this is who we've been trying to find. So so he got cast as Batman and um apparently initially like he was trying even harder to make Bruce Wayne sound uh, fake. Like he, as he studied the character more, realized um, that Bruce Wayne is is the mask. Basically, you know that that's Basically. that's the mask, and and Batman is is more his his real self. And um, so initially, like Bruce Wayne's voice was going to be even more high pitched, and than it was apparently. But then when they did a they uh they actually had him go back and re-record the first six episodes and and tone it you know bring it down a little bit so it's, it's it's a little more reserved it's still got kind of that that playful kind of fakeness to it you know it's like um but then for the voice of batman he said the biggest thing he tried to to focus on was that it, it came out of pain like you have the deeper, obviously the lower register for the voice, but then there's just an, an emotion behind that. And I think this is particularly true. Like you and I both watched a rewatched a few episodes kind of right. in preparation for this. And um, the one that I watched was I am the night and Batman, like it's one of the first episodes, like he's Batman the entire episode. There's, there's not a, he's not Bruce at all like he's in the suit the entire episode and um he's just going through significant emotional turmoil 
and it's just tremendous performance um, by Kevin. And you just, you feel the angst and the emotion at, in that episode, Batman is just, he's just tired. He's weary of, of fighting crime. He's like, when is this going to end? I feel like I'm not making a difference. And he's about ready to give up. Like he, at one point even throws his cowl down. I guess he had some backups cause he wears it again later, but, but he throws his cowl like, like down off the cliff there in, in the bad cave. He's ready to to hang it up. But uh Robin comes and, and you know Dick Grayson and, and and helps to talk him out of it and he he pulls out of it and and he receives some some encouragement, you know, to keep going, you know, someone that he's able to help and and someone that tells him like yes, you you really helped me. But that episode is just a really good example of, of the the gravitas that he brought to that character. And and obviously he's done voice work. Um, uh, for some other properties as well, but that that's his main has been his main gig both in acting and and in voice acting since 1992. I mean, just a rundown of some of the. I mean, obviously you have the Batman the Enemy series, then you have the the feature film Batman the Mask of Phantasm. Um, then you have uh, looks like the Batman Superman movie World's Finest. This was a TV movie apparently. Batman Beyond. The new Batman Adventures, Superman, the animated series. He had a number of directed video releases uh, from the DC Universe. He was played Batman and Bruce Wayne in the Justice League TV series, Justice League Unlimited. I mean, there's just one after another. Uh, so that's been the bulk of his career since 92. And uh, from what I've gathered, he's, he's very, very proud of that. Um he has dabbled in, yeah. in other things from time to time, but that that's been his his main gig. And um, so, yeah, and that's obviously that's how you and I were first introduced to him and his work was watching Batman the Animated Series as kids growing up. Uh, I don't know if you were like me. Like, um, did you watch the episodes as they were coming out back in the day? Yeah, I did, and um, and had some of the toys. Um, not a whole lot but um yeah i mean batman was definitely uh an influence on my life um i remember i remember uh getting up in a vacation bible school when i was seven years old to answer a altar call thinking what would batman do <laughs> <laughs> nice so i like to retell that story because how hilarious it is but <laughs> But seriously, I what would Batman do is exactly what the words in my head. But um, or the basic thought. Anyway, yeah, I did. Um, now the two episodes, I couldn't make up my mind what episode I wanted to review or or rewatch for this this podcast. Uh, I watched. Dreams and Darkness, and it's never too late. I couldn't make up my mind. Dreams and Darkness is definitely a very good performance by Kevin Conroy. It's a very good episode in general, in which um, it it is probably the better of the two. There's just something about it's never too late that gets me, but we'll talk about that later. In Dreams, Dreams and Darkness. Um, Batman is caught in a trap and he wakes up in a world 
in which um, his parents never died and he's happy, but he can't allow himself to be happy because he knows this is all a lie. Uh, it's actually the Mad Hatter who has somehow created a machine that has forced him to live in this reality. Uh, obviously, by the end of the episode, uh, he breaks free and returns as Batman. It's very bittersweet and a very dark episode because he actually commits suicide in order to break free from the machine in the dream. He he lunges headfirst off of a of a tower. Um, and in the other episode, I, I think the reason why it just gets me is because there's just a lot of humanity and it's never too late. Uh, I'm not sure if we have the time to get into that right now. Uh, but there's some religious symbolism and uh, I think what gets me is just the reconciliation between the two brothers in that episode. Yeah, I think I think for me, like it just it was so I, I know a lot of ink and audio and video has been spilt talking about Batman the Animated Series, but it's just such a good such a good series. You know, um definitely. It was had more I think it took it it took its audience series. Like it 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 realized that um kids could handle serious content as well like it didn't dumb it down really for for kids and uh like i i found it fascinating and i, I still enjoy watching it even now and uh you know now the the physics and the animation is is a little lacking <laughs> yeah. um but you know and then obviously there's guns firing all the time but but somehow you never see anyone get shot, which they, they couldn't show on a Y7 TV show back then. I, I heard they had to fight for that, that originally they wanted them to use laser guns, but I'm so glad that... Oh my happen. goodness. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah. Yeah, although there was, like, in uh, I Am The Night, um, no, they don't... They show the aftermath. They don't show any blood. They don't show the actual um, event of him getting shot, but Jim Gordon does get shot. I was like, wow, I forgot. Like, someone actually got shot. Um, and he had to go, he's in the ICU now, which that, that obviously, and then Batman starts blaming himself for that and spirals for several days, you know, and, and just about gives up being Batman, uh, cause his, his friend has been hurt and he's like, I should have been there earlier. I should have made it, you know, and it's just, um, but yeah, just amazing series, but, but getting back to. Kevin Conroy, the man in our last few minutes here. Um, I, I really, again, really do highly recommend the, the interview he did with Michael Rosenbaum. Uh, he just very, very generous, like really opens up about so much of his story, you know? And I think as is true for, for a number of actors, just as I've heard their stories over the years, like there's, there's often a good bit of childhood trauma or pain and, something about that i think that because because at its heart acting so much like the really good acting is about empathy and if you've, you've been through 
if you've been through some pain yourself, I, f- I feel like it, 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 it increases your, your capacity for empathy to, to feel what others feel sometimes the point of, of being overwhelmed by it. And I think some actors do genuinely struggle with that. And I think for many, um, they're, they're actually working some things out like on the stage or in front of the camera or behind the microphone. Like there is a form of therapy in some ways, I think for, for many, um, that they in kind of a, a, so to speak in a relatively safe space where it's like, there's some distance from themselves. They're able to work out some things, but, but in doing so, like they, they inevitably show so much of themselves and share so much of themselves. And in a way, you know, when you have someone who is does that at the level that, that Kevin does, like it just resonates with you and touches you as, as, as a human. I know it has me like, and like, that was my, like, that was really my first Batman. What was Kevin Conroy? Like I, I did not see the Tim Burton movies when they came out. Um, too. I think I might have seen a little bit of Adam West prior to the animated series, possibly, but my first real exposure to Batman where I fell in love with Batman was, was the animated series. And, uh, and yeah, like I've, I've been a fan ever since, like, uh, even though I didn't really get into comic books until I was an adult, like the, the very first ones I, I bought when I finally started buying them were Batman comics, <laughs> Batman graphic novels, Batman comics. And uh, that remains like the, the bulk of my collection, such as it is, 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 is Batman. Yeah, there's just something so very human about the pain that he goes through, about the, the loneliness that he struggles with, the the fear of attachment with other people. And I can only imagine, like, having gone through the the trauma that, that Kevin did with having an alcoholic father, an abusive father, just a very unstable home life. Uh, I can imagine he probably had to, to work through a lot of fear when it came to getting close to people. Um, so I, I imagine he probably drew on on a good bit of that in his work as Batman. But yeah, in our final minute here, do you will do you have any final thoughts? Oh wow! What there's so much that could be said. I don't think we have the, enough time to say it in. And where do I even start? Um. Well, how about this? How about this? We didn't know Kevin personally, but um, we have our own beliefs. But this is what Kevin said before his death. He said to a fan who had lost their grandmother, um, he just let them know that he believes that people literally have a spirit and the body's just a vessel and that their loved ones will be with them in spirit always. Uh, it sounded like you meant that in a literal way, but um, for those of us mourning Kevin's passing, uh, no matter what you believe, we will keep his memories alive. Uh, he will be with us always, uh, whether you knew him as Batman or if you knew him personally. All right, friends. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Irreverent Nerds 
podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at irreverent underscore nerds, plural. We are on Facebook. Our fan page is simply called The Irreverent Nerds. We're on YouTube, The Irreverent Nerd. And if you go to anchor.fm forward slash irreverent nerd, you can support us for 99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. You can also send us a voice message, which we may include in a future episode. Fellow nerds, until next time, make it so. Engage. Avengers Assemble! I'm Batman.